Welcome into the Fog.net podcast. Michael Swain here after Kansas defeated Dayton in the final of the Maui Invitational 90-84. to And man, how fun was that game? It had anything you could ask for in a college basketball game. It had different players taking over in different portions of the game. It had great coaching adjustments for both teams. And of course, a buzzer or a near buzzer beater, I should say, at the end of regulation to force overtime. And that was so much fun to watch and to cover and to be a part of. But to give you guys an idea of what we'll talk about today, we'll focus mostly taking a big picture perspective from the Maui Invitational, looking at kind of where Kansas goes from here, what we learned about this Kansas team over the past three days, and then we'll talk a little bit about the performances themselves. And as a matter of fact, we'll start with some of the performances tonight, and then we'll broaden out to the big picture perspective. I think for Kansas, the player of the game today is Devon Dotson. Yeah, Yudoka Azebuke was so good late in the second half and into overtime. But start to finish, Devon Dotson played every minute of the contest, led the team with 31 points on 11 of 16 shooting. And this was a game where you felt like Devon Dotson had to come out and dominate. And I say that because you look at his first two games in the Maui Invitational, you know, against Chaminade, he comes out, scores the ball pretty well, but does not create for others. And that was something that Bill Self challenged him after the game, and he said that he felt like Devon missed some lob passes to the big men and didn't uh, do as good of a job as creating the uh, creating and running the offense. But then you look at what happened against BYU, where he doesn't shoot the ball t- too well. I think he went 5 of 15 from the field, if my memory serves correctly. Uh, but what he did do was create for others. He had over seven assists. He was really good at just finding, you know, Doak, shooters on the perimeter, but didn't shoot the ball well. And it felt like tonight he put it all together. He didn't have a ton of assists. He only had four, which was in a tie for the team high. But in terms of what he did for Kansas in the first half, it felt like he single-handedly kept Kansas in the game. Uh, You know, Doak was really good early on in the first stretch of the game, but then he picks up two fouls. He has to sit the final seven minutes of the first half. And Devon was just so consistent in the first half, scoring off of ball screens and getting downhill scoring in transition, and it felt like he was making really good decisions in transition. Uh, One of the things that I think maybe plagued him against BYU was trying to do too much in transition and running into three and four bodies in the paint when maybe there are shooters on the outside. And I think what allowed him to score the ball with such efficiency tonight was his ability to read what Dayton was doing in transition and attack it. So if Dayton had three or four guys in the paint, he wasn't going to force it in there. He was going to kick it out to shooters, get the ball moving on the offensive end, and get into some sets instead of just throwing up a wild shot at the rim. It felt like Devon really put it all together, and he honestly, to me, looked like one of the best players in the country, uh, especially at the point guard position. You know, Trey Jones is really good for Duke. Um, The Seton Hall guard, I don't remember his name off the top of my head. Those guys are all good, but I feel like Devon Dotson is right up there with him, and especially with his ability to just attack defenses off of those screens and in transition. This was just a real good performance from Dotson uh, and something that I feel like, you know, he can build on going forward and this should give him confidence, uh, especially as KU kind of gets into the, the heavy part of the schedule now where you play, you know, Colorado next week and then you play Tennessee starting in January and you got big 12 play starting in that first week of January as well. So, you know, we're getting into the real 
big part of the season here, and it feels like Devon Dotson is primed uh, for a, a pretty big start this season. Now for Yudoka Azubuike, I was trying to put you know his performance into perspective, and it feels like this was his best game since that West Virginia game at home back in 2017, or sorry, 2018, I apologize, the final four year. Um, that was when he scored 21 points, went 7 of 10 from the free throw line, had three blocks, and was just awesome. And it felt like tonight, this was his best performance since then. In terms of what he did, he scored inside with you know just extreme efficiency like we've seen him. But I think for me, the most positive thing you could take away from this was down the stretch and in overtime, when it mattered, Doak was making his free throws. He went three for three in overtime, and down the stretch, he was shooting the ball with confidence. He hit nothing but net on his free throws, and that's something big you can take away going forward. But now to bring it out to a broader perspective, I think this game encapsulates what Kansas is going to have to do if they're going to win a national title. You're going to have to play, you know, Kansas didn't play great defense tonight, but I think a part of it was Dayton's game plan was we're going to go five out using uh, Toppin as their five man and spreading the floor for against Kansas, which forced Doak to the perimeter. Uh, Kansas did some things to try and slow down Dayton on the perimeter, but it didn't work. You know, the Flyers end up shooting, what was it? 48% from three, but it didn't feel like Kansas' defense was actually that bad. It felt like Dayton was more making shots. And for Kansas to go deep in March, it feels like this is a team that's going to have to play really solid defense and lock in and then be extremely efficient on offense because it does not feel like this is a team that is going to be able to rely on the three-point shooters. You know, you look at Ochai Baji tonight, Isaiah Moss, you know, two guys who you want to count on in terms of shooting the ball. You know, Isaiah Moss took one shot, one shot, and that came at the buzzer at the end of regulation. So outside of that, he did not take a single shot. But I think in terms of the positives from that is, from Moss, is he led the team in plus minus, and he spaces the floor. So for Kansas, if those shooters are not going to be making the shots, they've got to be efficient because teams are going to try and exploit the three-point shot. You know, it, Simple math, right? Three is better than two. And if you're going to go out and shoot a ton of threes. The variance there is a lot for other teams against Kansas. So Kansas got the efficient on the offensive end. They're going to have to defend like we saw against BYU, where we saw them lock in defensively, you know, and shut them down for basically, you know, what was it? 10 minutes to end the first half. And then the first eight minutes of the second half, you know, they were so good on the defensive end and Kansas has the defenders to be able to do that. You look at that lineup up and down the starting lineup. I mean, Devon Dotson, you know, tonight comes up with six steal or five steals, and Marcus Garrett can guard anybody. Ochai Baji's a long wing that can guard just about anybody. And then if you put in a Tristan Anaruna, that's another long body, especially in that four guard lineup that can guard just one, you know, basically two through four. So you're able to switch on the perimeter then and be able to be long, cut off passing lanes, you know, force a lot of turnovers, getting out and transition. And those are the ways that it feels like Kansas is going to win games going forward, is playing through the post and being efficient. And even with you know, I, I wouldn't be too discouraged with what you saw from the other big men tonight, too. You know, Silvio de Sosa didn't get a ton of run. And even in the Maui Invitational, Silvio didn't get a ton of run. But there are going to be games where Doak isn't necessarily going to be as dominant as he was tonight. And there are going to be opportunities for other guys to step up. And I think David McCormick is another one that showed you that he can step up in some of those moments. And I think that you, you saw that against BYU. And even to some degree, I think, you know, he, he didn't necessarily play his best game today, but there were little stretches where, you know, McCormick didn't cost Kansas, 
which if you know if Doak is going to struggle with fouls like he did in the first half, that's something that's positive. Now, in terms of you know where does Kansas go from here, it does feel like they have to build on this. Uh, the shooting is an issue, uh, and it's something that it feels like if Isaiah Moss is not going to be hot, it, it's going to be a question of who's the guy that's going to be shooting from outside and who's going to the guy that, that, that are going to be making those shots. Now, granted, the floor is a lot more spaced with those four guards around Doak, and even if Isaiah Moss isn't making his shots, he still offers that floor spacing because you never know when he's going to catch fire. And the same thing really does apply for Ochai Abaji too. He's someone that made a really tough step back tonight from three, uh, and he's a guy that can catch fire at any moment too. You know, we've seen Ochai get streaky before and get hot, but then get real cold. So even if they aren't on a game-to-game basis, you know, shooting 35, 40% from three and above, you know, as long as they are able to keep that floor space for Doak and the big men, that's all that really matters. And in terms of, I think, what you saw from KU's bench, I, it, it's, a little, it's a little disappointing just from this, this angle. You know, Christian Brown is now, you know, we're kind of getting into the end of non-conference play, and he still is just looking like he hasn't adjusted yet. He's only able to play five minutes uh, against Dayton tonight, and it feels like he's someone that was going to be a possible piece for Kansas in terms of, you know, their ability to play on the perimeter and switch. And if KU is going to play four guards, the thing is, is if Brown can't play, that means that you have to have Devon Dotson or Ochai Abaji or Marcus Garrett, two of those three on the court at the same time. And if tonight, like we saw Garrett get in foul trouble, for example, he picked up the fourth foul earlier in the second half, that forced Dotson and Abaji to play more. And that's because Brown was not, or a reason because of that is Brown was not able to be on the floor uh, for long periods of time. You know, So for Kansas, if they're going to keep doing this four-guard lineup, they are going to be running a little bit thin on the perimeter if Christian Brown is unable to you know, give you good minutes when he's on the court. Isaiah Moss, too, will be better. And I think that even if he didn't you know, make the shots, he does, does offer the floor spacing. And even it does look like defensively, uh, he is able to hold his own. He's not a, a liability, uh, you should say, on the defensive end. It does feel like he's able to stay in front of his guy. He's not going to come up with a ton of steals, but he's athletic enough to stay with guys, not get burned every time down the court. You know, he does get four rebounds today. If you're playing the four-card lineups, those guys are going to have to rebound. So I think for Moss, you know, even if he didn't shoot the ball well tonight, or, you know, it didn't shoot the ball, period, tonight. But if he's not shooting the ball well, if he's doing the other things, he's still going to space the floor because you know that at any moment he could catch fire. Now, in terms of just the Maui Invitational as a whole, you know, I think Bill Self did say at best that this can show you some of the weaknesses of your team and not necessarily buy into some of, uh, of, of what happens. You know, you look at last year with that Duke team against uh, Gonzaga in the final. I think that kind of that final highlighted some of Duke's issues down the stretch. Who are they going to go to? You know, RJ Barrett in that game took a ton of shots, didn't make very many, and that was an issue for Duke last year. I think the issue for Kansas is shooting the three. And, you know, like we talked about, if Kansas is not going to shoot the three, they've got to be super, super efficient from inside. Now, I would also say this, you know, Doak is not always going to be able to get the post touches that he did today. I think you're going to see a lot more teams, you know, as we saw in non-conference play, try and double team. Uh, ascend multiple bodies at him and not just let him go feast inside like you saw tonight because there were times that felt like where it was a little bit too easy for Doak inside against Toppin or whatever big 
you know, Dayton was able to throw at them. But it does also look like going forward that Doak is by far one of the most dominant bigs in college basketball. Like we knew that going into this, but he showed it again today. And I was just kind of thinking about for him, who would be a good guy that can stop Doak, you know, in March or even in the Big 12. And I kind of struggled to come up with a name of, of someone that, at least in the Big 12 starting off, that can guard Doak one-on-one. I think Culver from West Virginia could. That's another big body that can maybe hang with Azubuke. But outside of that, I, you know, I don't think Oklahoma has someone like that. I don't think Texas Tech has someone like that. The other top teams in the Big 12 doesn't feel like they have that. Now, in terms of in the nation, you know, the bigs that are going to give Doak problems are the ones that are going to be stretching the floor, like you saw with Toppin tonight. There were some occasions where Doak was late closing out, and it wasn't even against Toppin all the time. You know, Dayton had another stretch five whose name now slips me, but he made a three over Azubuke because he was too slow getting out. So you think about the bigs that can maybe give Kansas trouble like that. You think about James Wiseman at Memphis, um, even though he won't be playing until January, but the only time Kansas would play Memphis would be in March, and Wiseman would be back then. And I feel like that could be a guy that maybe gives Doak some trouble. You know, Vernon Carey is also another name from Duke. You know, he did a pretty good job defending Doak in the opening game of the season. But I think, you know, I think we've seen now Doak has found a rhythm. I think at the beginning of the season, it took Doak some time to get used to playing basketball again. Because you think the last time he had played was last January when uh, he broke his hand prior to the Iowa State game. After that, he had not played competitive games until that Duke game. So, you know, it's going to take some time to get the flow of things, and it feels like Doak's kind of finally gotten back into that into that rhythm, into that flow. And it does feel like, you know, going forward now, the sky is the limit for him, especially if Kansas can continue to feed him and spread the floor around him. Now, in terms of Kansas's too big look, uh, things did not look too pretty in Maui. But I think that, you know, what you'll see Kansas do from now on is probably start with the two bigs. And then depending on how that goes, you know, today it wasn't too long. It was about three minutes. But yesterday against BYU, the two bigs were able to stay on the floor a little longer together. And it feels like KU might buy some time early on in the game with the two bigs and then switch to the four guards and then continue through that through the rest of the game and then maybe start the second half with the two bigs as well. Uh, I thought David McCormick has looked a little bit better next to Doak. I thought against BYU early, you know, the shots that he made uh, from the mid-range were important, but the spacing is the biggest part, and where McCormick positions himself is going to be really important within the offense if Kansas is going to do two bigs. Now for Silvio Sosa going forward, I thought today would be a game where he could get some run going against Toppin, but that just wasn't the case. Bill Self decided to go with smaller bodies against Toppin, and I struggled to find, you know, where those minutes are going to come from for Silvio, because if Kansas is going to play, you know, the four guards around Doak, there's not going to be a ton of minutes at there at the center spot. Because if you're going to play the four guards around Doak, and he's able to, you know, play for 20 to 23 minutes, you know, you basically got what about 25 minutes, 30 minutes max if you're going to play for uh, two bigs to start for about, you know, three minutes to start each half. You know, there's not a ton of minutes to go around there at the five spot. So Silvio is going to have to, you know, bring that energy off the bench and be someone that can defensively do other things that Dope can't do and that David McCormick can't do. Moving your feet, staying with some more athletic five men, and being able to jump with just about anybody in the gym. 
So those are some things to watch going forward. You know, how McCormick looks in that two-guard lineup and how Silvio looks just whenever he's on the floor, you know, next week against Colorado and into the final non-conference game before KU kicks off its Big 12 schedule in 2020. And that's all the time we have for today. As always, thank you for tuning into the Bog.net podcast. If you enjoyed what you heard, leave a rating and review on iTunes. Uh, as always, we'll have great content on Fog.net from tonight, from the Maui Invitational, and into the final game of the KU football season. National Signing Day is around the corner as well, so you know, really getting into the heat of it uh, for football recruiting. So we're always going to have great stories up on Fog.net. As always, you can follow me on Twitter at mswain97, and you can follow Scott Chasen on Twitter at Scott. And with that said, we will talk to you after the Baylor game on Saturday.